This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Today we will go through the fourth letter, the letter to the church of Thyatira. So let's open our Bible and read together in Revelation 2, verse 18 to 99. So Revelation 2, 18, 99. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira writes, These things say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your work, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your work, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent for her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who search the mind and heart. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the death of Satan, as they said, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcome and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give the power over the nation, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the church. So, this is the letter for the church of Thyatira. So, to give you some context, the uh, city of Thyatira is uh, in the actual Turkish. I don't know if we can have the slide. So it's the yellow one. So it's the actual Turkish. But during the Roman Empire, it was an important town in, town in the Lydia region between Pergamon and Sardis, halfway between the two cities. So the town was never a major metropolis. She, the, the town didn't play like a major role in uh, politics, but it was like a commercial crossroad of many trades, like waving, daying, copper working, tanning, and pottery making. And in this uh, commercial crossroad, there were a church. And the church in Tiatia if you read the letter, it looks like it has a really promising start. 
the Lord said, the, the church is hardworking. So it was unlike the church of Ephesus. She hasn't, it's, she hasn't lost its first love for the Lord. She keeps this, Lord, this love agape for these brothers and sisters. Also, the church keeps the faith. It's remained faithful in the service of the Lord. And he, the Lord said, the church remains constant. And it's a really important quality in the church to remain constant. It means that the people in the church were really zealous in the beginning and they never lost this zeal. And the Lord concludes with, as, you, as for your work, the last are more than the first. So the church of Thyatira seems to be like at the top of the game. And you know, all this quality was enabled this church to grow physically and spiritually, to become really a good ministry. And everywhere where a ministry really grew up and bear good fruit, Satan come and attacks this ministry to destroy it. So that's what Satan did with this church. But instead of attacking the church frontally, head-on, like the church of Smyrna, with violence and persecution, Satan came and infiltrated it with false servants, false brothers and false sisters. No main passage say, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servant to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So in the church of Thyatira, Satan found a loophole in the church. And this allowed the ascension of such a woman. She came on the pulpit and preached a false gospel. She was a false prophetess. And with that woman Jezebel, Satan had a foothold in the church and can just work to pervert the whole congregation. So let's start with two questions. First of all, who is Jezebel? And the second one, how do you recognize people who are driven by the spirit of Jezebel? Because you know that Jezebel today is no longer in earth, but the same impure spirit that drove that woman Jezebel are still at work to attack churches. So it's really important as a Christian to understand that. You cannot be possessed by a demon if you are filled by the Holy Spirit. You are a Christian, so you cannot be posted, possessed by a demon as a Christian. But demons can influence your behavior because the battle is here. So that's why we should every time submit our thought to the Holy Spirit and fight the impure thought. So the Christian can be influenced by this evil spirit and did really bad things. So now we are going to show some red flags that will help us to unmask this kind of person. So first of all, Jezebel was a Phoenician. 
She was the daughter of the Sidonian king Itobal. She was married to the king Akab of Israel. And it was, this wedding was probably because they would like to maintain peace between Israel and the Sidonian kingdom. The first aspect of the personality of Jezebel we can notice when we read 1 King 18, 19, and 20, she was an idolatrous woman who rejected actively God. She was very religious and she worked actively to let the pagan gods come in the, the country of Israel. In 1 King 18, we learn that, that Jezebel had 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah at her service. And those prophets were allowed to eat at Jezebel's table. We also learn in the same chapter how she killed and massacred prophets of the Lord. It was so tough that the prophet of the Lord should be hidden in a cove. So Baal and Asherah were the gods Jezebel served. But what did it mean really to serve Baal and Asherah? Do you have an idea of that? No idea? Uh, yeah, 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 like a statue, we learn about uh, uh, sacrificed meat, but now we'll come more in detail of that, because I think sometimes it's not very clear. Baal was generally regarded as the god of fertility, enabling the earth to have really produced crops and men to have children. And Asherah was considered as the goddess of the moon and was often presented as Baal wife. The two cults was almost similar. The cult of Baal and Asherah was performed with sexual worship, violence involved, involving sacred prostitution. When the priests of Baal invoked their gods, the god of the, the Baal idol, they did that with uh, through savage rite, with screaming and self-mutilation. You can saw that in 1 King 18. The priest of Asherah, it was almost the same. It was sacred prostitution in the temple. But for Asherah, the priest performed divination and witchcraft. And sometime for this two gods, the people perform human sacrifice. Apparently, it was necessary to appease them, and the victim often was the eldest son of the sacrifier. So when we hear that, it looks like crazy. It's so dark, we, it's really difficult even for me to believe this kind of thing can exist. But the Bible testifies of that. If you read the chapter 19 of Jeremiah, God talks about this human sacrifice. And also, today, we have the chance to have physical proof of this cult because of the archaeology. In 
1929, a French archaeologist, Claude Schaffer, launched uh, an excavation on a Canaanite remains located in Rash Shamra. If we can go, maybe, yeah, Rash Shamra. So we are in Syria, uh, Syria, and the name of the town at this time was Ugarit. And during this expedition in Ugarit, they found a lot of Canaanite tablets. And today we have this change that those tablet ways were translated by experts and still are preserved by the Louvre Museum in Paris. So I will going to share with you some reports of the archaeologists who, who work in the Ugarit uh, expedition. The first report comes from the Louvre Bible. It says, the text unhearted attest to the lowliness of Ugaritic religion. The Canaanite god had no moral sense whatsoever. The text shows the degrading effect of the worship of these divinities, with their emphasis on war, sacred prostitution, and sex, with all the social degradation one can imagine. In Ugarit, divination, astrology, and magic were a commonplace. Sign and omen were sought not only in the celestial bodies, but also in malformed fetus and the viscera of sacrificed animals. The second report is come from Haley's Bible handbook. It says, the Canaanites were a civilization of abominable corruption and brutality. Archaeologists digging in the ruin of Canaanite cities wonder why God didn't destroy them sooner than he did. Another report from another expedition in 1912, close from Carthage uh, in Tunisia, the Bi Biblical Archaeology Review reported Child sacrifice was an essential part of Phoenician worship. Trace of this odious practice can be found in the colonies they founded in North Africa. The ritual of immolation by fire, in which families surrendered their flesh and blood to their gods, lasted in Carthage for six centuries. It was very common in high society as a means of acquiring and maintaining wealth and influence. Wow. <laughs> so we have this change, this luck to have these archaeologists who work on that things. We can see, I uh, take some slide of a uh, uh, statue. Uh, everything is, uh, you can see it in Paris in the Louvre Museum. So this is a, a Baal uh, idol. You have the date, uh, 12th century before Christ, and it was fine in Ugarit. In the other slide, you have an idol of Asherah, or with another name, Ishtar. It's the same uh, uh, goddess. And this was found in Tilbarsip in Syria, and it was dated the 8th century before Christ. On the next slide, you have these things. I don't know the name in English. We call that stele. 
in uh, French. Still, thank you. Still, 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 li. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, the archaeologists on their report they explain that they make these things with stone. They put uh, some uh, jewelry on it, and the um, and the. Um, the bones of the burned bodies on these things and make a vow to their god. And that was found in the Osari. Uh, the name of the Osari is Tophet, and it was near Carthage. So it was the 6th century before Christ. And on the next, you can find the urn containing burnt bones because sometimes they give this little this little uh, stone and put an urn just on it with the baby who was burned. So everything is to explain what is exactly the cult for Baal <laughs> and Asherah. So I know that today we don't see this kind of practice. If it exists, it's completely hidden. In the Western world today, it's not like that. It's more like people uh, will imitate the practice we saw on this cult. Take an example, fornication, orgy, the pornography, drunkenness are an imitation of the debauchery of this cult. So God really don't like when people imitate this kind of debauchery. I don't know if you saw uh, this video. Uh, it was a, a big party uh, in Israel, and it was just before the attack. And I don't know if you noticed that, but on this video, there is a lot of people dancing. And in the midst of these people, there were a big Buddha idol in the midst of that. So let's not imitate this kind of behavior. So. Let's come back to the topic. When a person is possessed or influenced by the spirit of Jezebel, he or she will be driven and drive the other to commit sexual immorality or idolatry. In the most of the case, those people may have a good knowledge of the Bible if it's a person who comes from the church. But they will not hesitate to alter its meaning, to justify their sin. I remember with Debbie, in our first Christian community, we heard a lot of things about the marriage. We heard that if you sleep with a woman, you're automatically, automatically married to her. Oh. <laughs> married to her. So, in the eyes of God, you are married because you just had sex with this person. So for them, for those people, it's okay. You can continue to sin and you don't have to repent. We also heard that if you are not delivered from pornography, that's okay because it's really difficult and God will understand. But I can tell you that God doesn't understand at all. And if you come to these people with your Bible, if you show the verse, for example, Ephesians 5.5, 5, you said, 
that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, this guy will completely freak out. So it will be like the big anger crisis and you end up kicked out of the ministry. And that's what's happened with Debbie. We can notice that, we notice that with my spouse, that all the people we have known having those twisted doctrine about sexuality, all people who didn't repent from that, turn away from God. All. So, for us to understand the spirit of Jezebel, will use certain Bible verse to justify his sin and push people to let go their sanctification. After that, Jezebel was a manipulator or seductress with a dominant and strong character. You know, for Jezebel, any way is a good way of getting what she wants. And we can see that in the story of King Achab and Naboth. I don't know if you remember the story, but uh, Naboth had a vineyard really close from the castle of the king. And Achab ca came and asked Naboth if he wanted to sell his vineyard to him. And Naboth refused. He said, it's the legacy of my father. I will keep it. So Achab came to his wife and tell everything. And Jezebel just tell to him, hey, don't worry, I will take care of this situation. So she take care of the situation. She said the truth. Let's read 1 King 21, verse 8 to 11. And she wrote letter in Achab's name, sealed them with his seal and sent the letter to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter, saying, Proclaim a fast, and sit Naboth with high honor among the people, and sit two men, Scrudrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him, that he may die. So the men of this city, of his city, the elder and the nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letter which she had sent to them. So this is how this woman <laughs> resolved the problem of the vineyard of Naboth. So. Jezebel lied, she used the authority of the king to commit a murder, and she didn't make her hand dirty. It was the people who was pushed push to just stone Naboth. <coughs> and you know, the same is true in the church of God. Of, because when the people are driven by these spirits, we can notice they are really manipulative, dominant, and it's often mixed with a big pride. You know, the people with this spirit cannot stand not being listened or even be elevated. 
These people like to be the center of the attention and seek to be in the position of authority. Because if they access this position, they can just impose their idea and opinion. So when you come and try to oppose those people, they will quickly take you for a target. They will quickly attack you. So we need to be careful. This spirit is really intelligent. And in the midst of Christian, this spirit hide himself. He uses the false humility to be hide. That's how this spirit seduces the church. Also, these spirits don't hesitate to use false prophecy to seduce and give the impression that those people are really spiritual, are really close from God. And the goal of that is to win the heart of the people who are not firm with the Lord. The purpose is to gradually put someone between the Christian and God. For example, uh, you have a question, you ask a question to an elder or a pastor, and he will do his best to help you. But you, not, you have to be aware that the pastor or the elder cannot have all the answer to your question, because sometimes your questions are really personal. Your questions concern your call, your spiritual life, and in those cases he cannot answer. He will conduct you to come in the presence of the Lord and get yourself the answer in the intimacy with the Lord. But, you know, the false prophet, it's not the same. He will set himself up as the specialist of the question, of this kind of question. He will try to go between God and you. He will try to break this relationship you have with the Lord. So there is some red flag to recognize, like I will going consult God for you. Don't worry, I will give you an answer. God, God told me that you should do that. You should go here. You need to be really careful with this kind of guy, with the God told me guy. We sometimes are not aware how many, how many lives were broken because some, some people do that. Some people just lightly say, hey, God told me that you should do that. So be careful. You have the Holy Spirit in this temple. If you want to ask a question to God and have the answer, you can have it without consulting people. So Jezebel will never admit to being wrong. Even if she lost or if everything, uh, if you have any evidence who points her being wrong. Just like, you know the story, what's happened in the Mount Carmel when, um, Mount Carmel when Elijah confronted the prophet of Baal. It was a glorious victory for the Lord. He judged and killed the prophet of Baal. And after Jezebel was defeated, do you think Jezebel would have repented after that? Do you think she packed her bags and left the kingdom of Israel? Do you know the story? 
what Jezebel did when Elijah killed the prophet of Baal. When God, you know, put the fire on the altar and all the people of Israel, all the crowd was witness of that, what Jezebel did. You don't remember? She did not repent. She did not, did not leave the kingdom. In 1 King 19, she sent a messenger to Elijah telling him, Elijah, in 24 hours, you are a dead man. So she is determined. She will not give up. Even she lost everything, she will not give up. So, as you see, four aspects of Jezebel's personality. Idolatrous, manipulator or seductress, dominant and strong, and determined. So, today, like I said before, Jezebel is dead, but the same spirits are still at work. And Satan sent men and women, not only women, men and women, possessed, possessed by the same wicked and manipulative spirit as Jezebel's to sabotage the church. So this is what's happened to the church of Thyatira and also to many churches in different times. So the question is, how does something like that can happen? Because for us, it's like unbelievable that a preacher come here and preach the sexual immorality or the idolatry. In most of the case, it's happened in two ways. In the first case, it comes from the leadership of the church. There is a weakness, weakness in the pastor and the elders of the church. It's, for example, a lack of biblical foundation. It can be a doctrinal division, or sometimes it's just a lack of response to a strong character, a dominant character. So that's how Jezebel can find a way to have this position. And when such a person, person rises to the top of the leadership, he or she will be very persuasive, very dominant, and the leader will literally fold in the face against this powerful personality. In the other case, the problem is not the church leader, it's the people inside the church. Because God called the church to sanctify itself and to prepare itself to the return of Christ. So that's why Jesus gave the responsibility to every Christian, every person, to purify their heart and walk in the newness of life. So the problem comes because, for example, there is an obvious sin in the church and the leader and the pastor exposed it to the whole congregation. But the church doesn't repent. They prefer to keep a divided heart. And it's mean to follow the Lord on the right, but still, for example, have the love of wealth on the left. And that's how, for example, we have Prosperity Gospel Mega Church. 
Those people maybe were really good Christians, but they didn't want to repent. They keep their divided heart. So God provided to them false teachers who let them hear what they liked to hear. As 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4 said, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to sweet their own desire, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears, oh, uh, their ears away from the truth and turn aside to meat. So those people in the church, those good Christians, were victims of their resistance. They were judged. It's like a judgment. And in those cases, the false teacher, the false prophet, can just come in the pulpit and preach false gospel. And he will clean the church for all people who will oppose him doctrinally. It's really important to understand we have really an important... Um, it's really important to purify the heart. It's really important to turn away from the heavy way. As a person, because we should not let these things enter the church. The Bible said in Hebrew 3.15, today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If the Lord tells you to give up something, if your heart is not completely to the Lord, don't resist. Come closer from the Lord. Because resistance always ends badly. I take the example of the love of wealth and we have many examples in the Bible about the people who fall because of the love of wealth. We have the example of Balaam. Balaam resisted God. He, wa- he had a divided ha- heart. Remember, God told him, don't go with Balak. Don't go with Balak. It was so simple. God, he consulted God and he had an instant repen- response. Don't go with Balak. And Balak came back, he raised his price, and Balaam started to resist God. And God, it's really surprising, finally said, okay, go ahead, you can go. And I think if you are at this point, it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous to have God in the first way said, don't go. And after resisted said, you can go. And you know the hand of story. You know how Balaam resisted God until the end. In the same day, he had a conversation with a donkey. He met the angel of the Lord with a sword. And the angel of the Lord just told to him, I come stand against you because because your way is perverse before me. And he fall on the same judgment of the Midianite. So the heart is really important. As Christian, it's really important. It's so important that Proverbs 4, 23 to 27 said, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you 
you do flows from heat. Above all else, guard your heart. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Don't look at the wealth. Don't look at the beautiful women. Don't look at the perversity. Just look straight away. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful, uh, give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Sanctification is really important. The pastor or the elder of the church cannot sanctify you. He cannot repent for you. So the church has this responsibility to guard his heart above else. So whatever happens in your life, guard your heart more than anything else. Keep yourself pure. Set yourself apart, even if the church become apostate and reject you. It's better to stay with God and be rejected even by the church than to stay with the people who do a lot of evil. Don't stop in the path of the sinners. And that it's really important to understand it because sometimes it's all of your friends going at this church. The church is really beautiful. The music is perfect but it's perverted, it's corrupted. So if you feel today that your heart is not clean before the Lord, then it's really simple. Go into the presence of the Lord and ask. So Psalm 51 verse 10 said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If you need to praise that every day, then praise that every day. Put your faith in it. And God is faithful. He will help you to change this heart you have. It's really important. He will help you to win back your heart. Revelation 2, verse 26 to 21, 28, sorry, said, He who overcome and keep my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nation. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. Amen. The church of Thyatira was falling apart with this fast prophetess, but in the church, they were a small group and they didn't fall in with the prophetess. They keep their heart pure. It looked like there were a church in the church. So God came to these people. And God said to them, the only thing I ask you is to be faithful to the hand. What I gave you, keep it until the hand. Amen. 
So hold on tight to God's word because there is a great legacy to take. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for everything. Please, Lord, create a pure heart in us. Come and change for her. Please come and fill us by your Holy Spirit, but also the fear of the Lord, that we can walk in your path until you come back. We don't want to be corrupted. We don't want to be with the false prophetess. We, want, we don't want to be driven by people who had the spirit of Jezebel. So please, Lord, make us firm in your word. Make us firm in the Bible. Make us firm. Give us the, why, the wisdom and give us the intelligence to don't fall in the trap of the enemy and don't be found corrupted at your return. In the name of Jesus, I prayed. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 